The Women's Fund for Scotland is Scotland's only dedicated fund for women and girls. I'm Susan Morrison and this is our podcast where we talk to inspiring women improving the lives of those women and girls today. In this episode, Marie tells us about AMA and the volunteers who make sure that some women don't give birth alone. AMA. Now, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, that's right. AMA. Yeah. That is such a beautiful word because yeah. it seems to be almost universally and also the root of the the word for for mama for mother mm, yeah which is which is what your your wonderful charity does yeah that's right and i think in in some other languages it has almost like like grandmother meanings and connotations as well which works equally well for us because sometimes i think that's the the kind of yeah mothers and and grandmothers are sometimes the roles that our companions um have you know in 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 some sense with the clients that we support so it is it's a lovely it's a lovely word because what you do is crucial to 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 mums to be yeah isn't it i mean you mentioned that word companionship because that's basically at the core of what what ama does isn't it Marie? yes absolutely yeah i mean that's really the one-to-one companionship component of our work is really what we were set up to do and it's it's right there in our name and um, so we were established four years ago now and um, so in 2019 the organization was really inspired by a project that was run by the British Red Cross and one of our co-founders she was involved in running that project and they worked with lots of asylum seeking women and you know many of those were were facing pregnancy birth and postnatal period completely alone and with no partner and often with no community with often with no people around them in the city so the the project of the British Red Cross was about matching up existing doulas or you know professional birth advocates and companions with women who were alone and needing that kind of support but quite quickly um, it became clear that this could become an organisation in itself. So Sarah, our co-founder, took that leap of faith um, in 2019 and, and set up AMA as an organisation. So we now have perinatal staff. So we've got four staff who are specialised in providing birth support. But we also continue doing what we've done right from the start, which is to train volunteers. They go through our training programme They now go through a kind of shadowing process with some of our um, experienced perinatal staff before they're ultimately signed off to work work as volunteer companions with our clients. So they'll be providing that one-to-one support. Most of our clients will require, you know, a a birth companion, so someone to actually be there and present at the birth because they don't have anyone else who who can do that other than obviously medical staff and midwives. I can't imagine anything more terrifying than being an expectant mother in a country that you don't speak the language in and you don't have anyone there it must i mean so isolating and so frightening especially if it's your first birth um so can i can I just ask you so so uh, what did the funding from the women's fund for scotland what did it allow you to do so we called it um, ama growth and it's a, a gardening project essentially so it was using some of the existing expertise that we have in the the staff and volunteer team we bring groups of of women groups of mothers together to offer peer support to each other but to also access other opportunities and training and events through that particular program we had really good attendance at that group we had um, we had mums coming on a weekly basis and bringing their children and being able to access you know being able to garden and I think for for so many people that's not 
you know, people living in flats or, you know, not having the, the, the means or the facilities to, to, to garden themselves, but just, you know, even for people who weren't particularly experienced or skilled and, or had, um, you know, had gardening skills, being able to be outdoors and allow their children to play and, and learn as they went in a really kind of relaxed and, and friendly way. It was a, it was a fantastic project that we ran and we'll certainly be looking to to continue that into we're, we're just very much looking forward to the weather improving and being able to to pick up on on that project again because it was just it was lovely and really had an incredible and profound impact on the the clients that we support that is it's it's an incredibly clever idea as well Emma growth because you're bringing together women especially um, with early years with their children but instead of just sitting them in a church hall with a bunch of plastic toys going how do you feel and yeah they won't they'll put plaster a brave smile on their face they're actually actually doing something with their hands mm. and that always seems to be a great vehicle to get women to talk it absolutely does almost like working alongside someone and just you know that's not that that's not the reason they're there but what might happen during a you know gardening session or a you know play session whatever it is that you know other things come up and you know we get to, to know a bit more about our clients one of the, the a really important part of our work, and this is in both our one-to-one companionship, but also the peer support, is making connections and referrals with other organisations. So, and so often that will happen through the the AMA family peer support program, and and including the gardening project, where people will will end up talking about a particular need that they have or something that's happened, and you know we, we then have a bit more insight and can then make. The, the right referrals for them to, to different organisations and make sure that the support that people get is really joined up and that we're working with partner organisations and making sure that, that everything that they, they, they need is, is around them. You're obviously dealing with women at a very intense time in their life. But yeah. how, how do they, do they get referred to you or how do they find you? How do you find them? The majority will be referred to us. Um, an increasing number are coming through self-referrals and referrals from um, former clients which is really nice to see it's nice to see that there's that that word of mouth element as well but the majority come from from referral partners and actually I think about a third to almost a half of our referrals come in directly from maternity services so they're made by midwives themselves there are a number of other third sector organizations that will refer into us so I think the Scottish Refugee Council and the British Red Cross are among the top referrers but then I think there's there's a there's around about 30 or so different referral pathways that that we currently have we've just run the data on on this same um, recently for the the year just passed and we do we will accept referrals from lots of different organizations and indeed individuals it must be so satisfying though to be able to help um, you know, especially if it's a young woman and with, with very limited English, in fact, none and far from home. And then must be so satisfying to, to help her and then move her on. I mean, to to the point where she's empowered herself to be able to, to start her life with her, herself and her baby. Wow. It is. Yeah, it is. It's, it's extremely motivating and, and satisfying. And I think that that is what makes all of us tick really all of the staff and and volunteers that are involved with AMA it can also be really frustrating for 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 exactly those reasons because although we are able to make referrals to different services you know so often the systems that we're working within are really really challenging particularly the asylum process you know this is it's a it's a system that's really geared around creating an inhospitable environment so it's it's not always easy to work within that and it can be it's something that we're really aware of actually in terms of even the impact that that will have on staff and volunteers because it can it can be incredibly frustrating and upsetting um you know dealing trying to work within these systems and really 
help people to be aware of their rights. Very often there are there are you know there are rights issues here that people aren't either not aware of. An example of that is if anyone is is having NHS care, there should be interpreter provision if it's mm. if it's required. There isn't always, and the, the reasons for that are complex. Sometimes it's about resourcing, sometimes it's about training, but making sure that people are aware of their rights and that we're able to, to, to help them advocate for themselves. Lots of our asylum-seeking clients are in home office accommodation run by mirrors, and that brings with it a whole host of frustrations. Increasing numbers of, of uh, pregnant women and women with young children are housed in hotel accommodation which um, if you don't know much about what that feels like for for people in that process it can sound great you know life in a hotel and, and what that might entail but you know these very often people are in very small rooms they've got no cooking facilities at all if they're in that situation they're living on just pounds a day so really really tiny budget to 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 feed to nourish themselves and their children but they've got no cooking facilities, they've got no space, they've got no freedom to, to do what they need to do. Very often children, you know, young children won't have space to move about, to crawl in these rooms and issues. And so often the clients that we support in that situation, they're dealing with really complex trauma and they've managed to, you know, get out of really difficult situations. So about a third of, of the client group that we support are survivors of trafficking. So, you know, you can imagine then that what they're what they're dealing with and 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 the fear that comes with being being um housed in that that type of accommodation. Marie, the, the world that these um these mums to be and these young women are in sounds pretty hostile. Um are things gonna get better for them? I really wish I could give you a positive answer on that. There's a, a really important thing happening at the moment in the UK and for us we're we're all over it and it's had surprisingly little news coverage. It's something that I think that, that we could all do with being a little bit more aware of. So there's the Conservative government's illegal migration bill that's currently, it's it's made its way already through the House of Commons and it's currently now sitting with the Lords. So really what, what the bill is about is making sure that anyone who enters the UK through so-called irregular routes and really that is everyone who, who enters the UK as a as an asylum seeker or refugee. This will remove any kind of support that, that, that exists around. So for example, if someone's trafficked into the country, that is that will be seen as an irregular route and there'll be no protection then for them in terms of being of, of detention or deportation. And really concerningly for us, you know, there, there are so there's so much going on in this bill that is extremely frightening really for for anyone that, that that's working with uh, with um, asylum seeking people but for us in particular there will also be protections removed for uh, pregnant women and children against um against detention and deportation which for us is just truly terrifying so we ex we don't quite know it's very complex and we don't quite know what what this will look at like in practice so that the government are saying one thing but I think that anyone that's involved on the inside knows that the the, the structures don't exist there are no structures in place to do any kind of mass deportation or mass detention of the people who who will be affected by this so we think that that might leave a lot of people in limbo potentially you know we may end up supporting people in detention centers etc so it's really concerning for us and it, it I, I guess it will be it will be something that we'll all become a little bit more aware of i think in the coming weeks and the mere idea of politicians removing protection from pregnant women and children how how inhumane must you be 
It really is, isn't it? It's just, it's quite, it's it's breathtaking, actually, this bill. You know, the idea is that this will stop people coming coming in boats and will stop trafficking. And, and I think that anyone that works in this area would say that it's it will increase that. People will have no other means. People don't come to the country because they know about government policy. They come to the country <laughs> because they're seeking sanctuary. Very often they don't know anything about, about the country that they're entering. So I don't think it will go in any way to address what the, the government wanted to address. And what we hear is that it will, it will be much more likely that people will find it more difficult to get out of trafficking situations for example because there won't be the there won't be the supports there to to help that to happen does it help having the women's fund for scotland on your side as it were it does and i think for us you know i i you, you know the, the women's fund are all too aware of this but there are you know women are more than half of the population and there is a surprisingly few funds that are really geared at supporting um the particular disadvantages and and experiences that women are facing which is really when you when you drill that down it's it's surprising and it's it's fairly shocking and society is really geared up to 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 i mean it's really geared around the needs of men very often it's yes. beginning to change of course but it's really you know our cities are geared around the needs of middle class white men who work in city centers and that's how cities are designed and we, you know, whether we're a women's organisation with with lots of women working, we are also a product of, of, of you know, the, the the society that we exist in. And I think that it's it's really important for third sector organisations to be really aware of that. That it, this isn't about, you know, women aren't some niche group with a sort of niche set of needs. We are more than half the population and and have so much in common. I think in terms of the, you know, life experiences, life stages, etc. And I think that organizations and, and funders alike um, I think it's really positive to to recognize that and look at what um what can be done to actually address some of the, the the barriers that 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 women are facing and some of the particular challenges for us it's a really positive thing that that the likes of the women's fund exists because they're you know it's that it's that recognition that there are these aren't niche issues these are addressing the challenges for women is really a huge deal for society in general and I think that that it's good to know that there are you know that we feel like we've got we've got people on our side in that way. But it's not just money of course because the Women's Fund for Scotland provides support and networking is that something else that you've you're looking to that you think that, that's helping AMA? Yes being well networked and making sure that we you know we want we, we need our name to be known and it's not just because we want to show off it's so that you know <laughs> we need to make sure that we have the right kind of connections in terms of not just in terms of referrals and more like the service side of our work but if we are to be sustainable as an organisation, we know that we can't just rely on grant funding alone. We know that we need to get our name out there and we need to appeal to a, a broader range of grant funders and we need to appeal to donors and hopefully in the future, major donors and um, corporate supporters. And, you know, there are we, we, we have lots of ideas. We've got no shortage of ideas and creativity at AMA, but we also want to we 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 we've done a lot of work around this already but we know that there's there's real potential for us in in developing more of a kind of enterprising arm so that we we will begin to be able to generate some of our own income which will of course be unrestricted and um, will really help to I don't think it will ever replace grant funding for us because we're going to end up being too you know we've grown very quickly we need we need a lot of a lot of money each year just to keep things running as they are but I think if we can begin to generate some of our own income that that will really help to to provide a bit of a core and a a backbone to our our funding mix. 
You know, Mary, um, many years ago when I gave birth to my son and um, I was in the maternity wards making trouble because that's what I do. And there was a young Good. woman. <laughs> was a very, very young woman in the bed opposite. In fact, I don't think she was even out of her teens. And she'd had a baby girl and she didn't speak a word of English. And she cried constantly and the staff didn't know why and she couldn't tell them. Mm. And one day, or the day, just the same day that I, I was I was being thrown, sent home, um, I think I was actually getting thrown out, <laughs> a man came much older than her, spoke to her quite brutally and took her away. And I don't know what happened to her. And that little girl has kind of haunted me ever since. Mm. But knowing that Alma is out there and can perhaps reach out to young women in that situation today has made me feel an awful lot better. Thank you, Marie. Thank you. Thank you for joining us and listening to this story. I hope you've been inspired. And if you would like to support the Women's Fund for Scotland, search for us online and listen out for our other podcast episodes.